Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The truth is the most convincing story that maps onto reality, and that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. You must see the central narrative for the fiction that it is. We are Americans. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Wednesday, November 23rd, 2022, the 672nd day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release. The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at I'mYourModerator.Substack.com. You can do so for as little as $50 a year or $5 a month. And in doing so, you'll be supporting me, the work I do, and this show as it continues to expand. And if you can't, or you simply don't want to, continue listening to the podcast for free on a variety of podcast platforms. And of course, Rumble, all I ask is that you share it with your friends. You can find all the links to the social media, to wherever the podcast exists, and of course, to the merch site at linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. So yesterday we were discussing the false flag mass shooting in Colorado over the weekend at the gay bar called Club Q, a place that hosts drag queen performances, drag brunches, all ages, drag shows, and other various forms of entertainment for the whole family. And hey, if you're the kind of family that wants to be entertained that way together, that is your own business. But don't bring the kids unless you're a groomer. Now, I know it's very provocative to call it a false flag. Those five people lost their lives at the hands of a deranged killer. If we accept the story we've been told. And if we don't accept the story we've been told, then we should understand that the details we've been given so far and the meaning we're meant to extract from those details have been completely and intentionally misleading to the point where the most prudent reaction to all of this is to maintain a distance, maintain skepticism and not believe any of it until the parts are proven. And I discussed the hero story 
about Richard M. Fierro, the army veteran who apparently brought down the 300 pound bear of a shooter with a handle on the back of his body armor and then got on top of him and straddled him, disarmed him of his pistol as the AR he was also holding clattered across the floor. And he took that pistol and began banging on the shooter's head, saying on television and elsewhere that he was prepared to kill the man. And while he was doing that and screaming expletives, he grabbed a person who was walking by and commanded that person to begin kicking the shooter in the head. And then he also grabbed a drag queen who was walking by and asked that man, even though the news is calling him a woman, to begin stomping on the shooter's head with his high heel, all while beating the shooter in the head with the shooter's own pistol until Fierro was totally covered in blood. Then he finally got off the shooter. Once the police arrived, he went to the police and he got tourniquets from them and began using the tourniquets on people who had been shot while still having no idea where his family was. And while he was performing his medical work, he was tackled by the police who saw that he also still had the shooter's pistol in his hand. Now, I know that sounds ridiculous, but it's not me saying it. That is what the New York Times said in their write-up of the situation. And they used very flowery language to describe all of this. They made it very emotional, very real, very visceral. And that is the sort of writing you would expect from a two-time Pulitzer Prize winner like Dave Phillips. And knowing that he has won these Pulitzer Prizes, it is all therefore true. So it was a weird media focus from the beginning. Very thin on facts about what actually happened. But the reporting was filled with these kinds of dramatic details. They really set the scene. They told us what to think and what to feel and who to blame for all of this. And no one went harder at it than NBC News's disinformation reporter. He calls himself a dystopia expert. He's NBC News's man on the dystopia beat. At least that's how he describes himself on Twitter. Well, he went all in on the narrative yesterday and really captured the emotional tenor of the event for people who believe everything they're told immediately without question as they emoted in all the ways that they were directed to emote. I do want to say, though, um, am I doing something wrong here? Here are some headlines that I wrote for the last six months. Fueled by Internet's far-right machine, anti-LGBTQ threats shut down trans rights and drag events. Remember, uh, there was a drag event happening in Colorado. Yeah. Anti-trans stalkers at Kiwi Farms, which is an uh, uh, anti-trans website that stalks people, are chasing one victim around the world. Their list of targets is growing. That was a couple months ago. Doctors under threat from far-right activists for providing trans care. Boston Children's Hospital faces bomb threat after right-wing harassment campaign. There were three of those bomb threats. FBI charges Massachusetts women with Boston Children's Hospital bomb threats, so they found one of the people. At least 20 Republican politicians have claimed that schools are making accommodations for students who identify as cats. That was before um, the midterms. Here are, some, here are three more from my colleagues in the last uh, three weeks. As election nears, some conservative groups have ramped up anti-trans campaign ads. Far-right figures appear to be testing Twitter's boundaries for anti-LGBTQ speech. GOP uh, senator targets TikTok influencer with anti-transgender taunts. And I'm just wondering, what could I have done different? Seriously, as reporters, what can we do different? Because there are five dead people in a strip mall, because that was the only place they felt safe as gay or trans people in this town in Colorado Springs. And... I am trying to thread this needle here. I'm trying to say that this is happening. This targeted stuff has real life impacts. They say on the internet has real life impacts. And I'm gonna fail, by the way. I'm gonna you know, freak out because it's happening. Because I wake, I wake up and I see that there are five dead bodies. But I think we have to have a come to Jesus moment here. 
uh, as reporters. Are we more afraid of being on Breitbart for saying that trans people deserve to be alive? Or are we more afraid of the dead people? Because I'm more afraid of the dead people. I don't want five, I don't want to wake up on a Sunday and see that all of these headlines came to fruition. Now, I have no idea why Ben Collins's mouth smacks like that so often, but I do know why he is laying out that narrative. He wants to attribute all the responsibility for yet another mass shooting to MAGA, to all the no-no people. They're the problem. If you like guns, if you like the fact that the Second Amendment exists so that the people might be able to defend themselves, their homes, and the country from the encroachment and violent overreach of an illegitimate authoritarian communist regime, it's their fault that shootings happen. If people don't want children to be groomed in school and have teachers convincing children that they're actually a different gender than the one indicated by their biological sex, or they don't want books filled with pornography in school libraries, or if they don't want drag queen story hour or drag queens giving children lap dances, then they're responsible for mass shootings. If they don't support further overreach of that illegitimate authoritarian government as it attempts to force businesses and churches to act in violation of their conscience, then they're responsible for mass shootings. If you question elections, mass shootings. If you question whether or not masks work, mass shootings. That's why the QAnon narrative was always so valuable for them. That's why the boogeyman works. That's why the Donald Trump thing is so valuable for them. Now they're exporting it to Elon Musk and Kanye West. Everything they disagree with is the fault of this other class of people. And that class of people always continues to expand every time a new issue pops up about which people must declare their beliefs and the communists find themselves on the losing end of the public narrative. They get to add on the whole time. They are constantly scapegoating one group of people, blaming that group of people for everything that goes wrong in the world with absolutely no proof, and then enforcing it culturally, convincing people's family and friends and neighbors and coworkers to enforce their cultural norms as they see fit. The illegitimate president's own chief of staff put up a list of talking points about the good things the Biden administration has done that you can share with your crazy uncle at Thanksgiving dinner because, oh, yes, it's the crazy uncles. They're the problem and definitely not the gender confused blue haired Zoomers repeating what they heard in gender studies class. But that's who these people are. They're scapegoating and they're always scapegoating the same group because it's a hate movement. We've seen this stuff happen in history. We know what it is, but I know, I know you just can't say it. It's just too rude. You can't imagine that your friends and family and neighbors and coworkers have joined a hate movement, even though that's what they think of you. Are you the one doing the hateful things? No, you're the one who thinks it's worthwhile to protect children from the influences of a diseased and depraved culture created by these people who also just happen to have all of the cultural power. They dominate the academy. They dominate the media. They dominate the entertainment industry, the big tech industry. They dominate public health and medicine. They dominate the political parties, the bankers, the corporate CEOs, and they dominate political bodies right down to the local levels because the infiltration has now gone all the way down. They advertise their hate movement on television and online with impunity, or at least they have for a long time. Now they're beginning to see some blowback. And as Twitter becomes further uncensored, that blowback will continue which is why they're fleeing Twitter. 
to Mastodon and other sites in droves. They don't realize at all that the public doesn't agree with them. And it's actually them. They're the people exercising the power against the vulnerable. They're the ones scapegoating an entire class for the product of what the policies and the people they support have done and said and promoted over these last few years. And they've done this for a very, very long time. Except the thing is, it's not working so well anymore. And the Colorado gay nightclub shooting from over the weekend, that whole story ground to a halt last night. This is CNN's Allison Camerata, left completely befuddled after she learns that her entire industry has just had one of the most massive public face plants you can ever imagine. Attorneys for the accused shooter, Anderson Lee Aldrich, say in new court filings tonight that the suspect now identifies as non-binary. In a footnote to a motion asserting legal privileges, the public defenders say, quote, Anderson Aldrich is non-binary. They use they, them pronouns. And for the purposes of all formal filings will be addressed as Mix Aldrich. So in other words, not Mr. or Ms. Joining me now, CNN political commentator Errol Lewis, also back with me, Al Franken and Joe Walsh. I don't know what to say about that. I mean, that's not anything that we had heard from his background. You know, people have been looking into his background. And uh, I don't know if anybody here, are you guys lawyers? I no. mean, you know, I don't know if, the, I, I don't know what to say about that. I mean, that, it, that's what he's now saying. It, it sounds like they're trying to prepare a defense against a hate crimes charge. That's the least of his problems, legally speaking. But it looks like they're trying to build some kind of sympathy or at least confusion on the question of whether or not this was purely motivated by hate. Such a, I mean, that is what it sounds like. We'll wait to see. Oh, oops. What just happened there? Oh. She just reported that the Colorado gay club shooter identifies as non-binary. She said it's new. Oh, this just became true. But now we have to report it. I mean, it's in the court documents that this person says they're non-binary. How are we going to handle this? Because if the person's non-binary, are they really just acting out MAGA extremism? Is there a a non-binary MAGA extremist? Is that, oh man, is that possible? And wait, if, if that's possible and we were just calling Richard M. Fierro a hero for taking down this non-binary person and then smashing this non-binary person's face with a pistol over and over and over again, and then grabbing another guy to kick him in the face and another guy who's a drag queen to stomp on the non-binary person's face with his heel. Did Richard M. Fierro commit a, commit a hate crime? And he was bringing other people into it to increase the violence and the pain on this non-binary person. Did all of these people commit a hate crime? I mean, Richard M. Fierro said on the television that he was ready to kill the shooter. So does that mean that Richard M. Fierro wanted to kill a non-binary person? Is, is that what we're being told? Because, I mean, if everything that the news says is true and they're right about all this gender stuff that they just made up... And they're able to use these narratives in whatever ways they want to make the political point they need to make. I'm just going to take them at their word on all of it, right? I mean, they could never be acting in bad faith or simply lying, so I would never, ever accuse them of that or even think it possible. So I have to take them at their word about the whole thing, the gender narrative, all the details of this story, and how we assign blame in these situations. And I have to wonder, did Richard M. Fierro commit a hate crime against a non-binary person because he actually just in his heart wanted to kill non-binary people. I mean, I would never accuse Richard M. Fierro of all of this, but by their own logic, they kind of have to, don't they? I mean, 
what else could it be? And I'm sorry that the show is only audio because on the video, you can actually see these people's faces. And let me tell you, it's priceless. It's well worth going to watch. And I've retweeted it. It's also in the info stream on Telegram. T.me slash I'm your moderator. Go ahead. Have a look. Very entertaining. But let's advance a little further in our understanding of this video and how this video relates to culture, particularly the culture promoted by all those people on TV. Allison Camerata, Errol Lewis, the token black guy, Al Franken, the disgraced comedian slash senator whose Senate seat was gained due to election fraud in Minnesota. You see, it's been happening for a long time. And Joe Walsh, who is one of the most irrelevant people on the entire planet. Now, Alison Camerata's words were very careful. She said that the public defenders, the people who are tasked with representing this person in our system of laws and justice and values, you know, the people who are doing an important public service for which they are paid very little unless they're corrupt and then they reap the rewards for the rest of their career. But the implication is that these public defenders have encouraged the shooter who must still be a MAGA extremist to change your pronouns to they and them. And he's not a mister. He's not a Ms. Now he's a mux or mps or mix, and they're probably just doing it as a clever ruse to evade responsibility. That is the implication of Allison Camerata. And then Errol Lewis jumps right on board and just flat out says it. Yep, this is what they're doing. They're trying to trick the, the justice system by changing this person's gender identity from straight cisgender MAGA extremist male to non-binary person. Now, the first question you might have is, is it true that the legal system would treat a non-binary person differently than they would treat a straight, cisgender, white, MAGA extremist? And the funny thing is they don't even need to ask the question because they all know the answer. Why do they know the answer? Because they have been promoting that exact system for years. They promote a system where the non-binary are treated by our society in every way imaginable as not only a protected class, but a promoted class. In fact, in San Francisco now, they are offering basic income to people. They're actually going to pay people to be non-binary. So they know the legal system will treat them differently. And now they're mad that someone on the other side is using it. But wait a second. You can't just say that this person is on the other side just because you spent two days pretending he was. He has a grandfather who served in Vietnam and has his own opinions about politics. And that was enough, they said, to label this non-binary person as a MAGA extremist and blame everything the no-no people do for another mass shooting. Now, I know I'm a conspiracy theorist and I can't understand big ideas like gender studies, but I'm pretty sure that we were told to believe women. And if we're going to believe women, then we have to believe the most vulnerable women, which of course are non-binary men. And if we're not going to believe them about anything else, I mean, after all, they did just shoot up a gay nightclub, probably not the most trustworthy individual. Gotta say, I'll hand it to him on that one. But that has nothing to do with gender. And we must at least believe this person and their gender identity. You're not allowed to ever doubt someone's declared gender identity, even if they change it for their own purposes whenever they want. Are they implying that this non-binary person is just LARPing as non-binary? Is this a live action role play? That's what LARPing is for anyone out there who doesn't know. Live action role playing. Is this person LARPing as non-binary? Now, wait a second. 
I know what you're thinking again. Isn't speculating on whether or not the non-binary person is LARPing transphobic? And you would be right. I mean, not in reality, because the whole thing is obviously a LARP on all sides. But according to their rules, saying that a non-binary person might simply be LARPing and misrepresenting themselves for more social credit or for an easier time in the judicial system. Well, that's very, very transphobic. So it's strange that they're doing it on television. And it's strange that Blue and on Twitter is alight with all of this. They're just out there saying, we don't claim this non-binary person. We have already described this non-binary person as one of them. So we can't very well take this non-binary person on our side. And if this non-binary person is not on our side, then there's actually no reason to believe this person is even non-binary. It's genius. And wait a second. I was told that this incident at the gay nightclub in Colorado was a hate crime that came as a result of hate speech online and certain political agendas. Now, hate crime is a total nonsense comment and not a real thing, except when communists abuse the law from their offices, they hold illegitimately. But it's also a nonsense idea that you can just change your gender. Either way, we're playing by their rules. You got to remember. So if it was a hate crime when the straight white cisgender male MAGA extremist shot up a gay nightclub in Colorado this weekend, is it still a hate crime when a non-binary person does it? Well, that's a little more difficult to parse. I mean, does the non-binary person hate the LGBTQIA++ community as a part of the community? It's a good question. Is it possible? It seems like it would be possible. How would it be possible? Oh, well, that would be possible if the non-binary person actually hated themselves. But we are told that non-binary people don't hate themselves. In fact, they love themselves so much that they will change their identities, their full identities, right down to the most basic level, their sex, in hopes that they will simply love themselves even more. We're told that their lives will improve substantially after they have a gender reassignment surgery and they will be much less likely to kill themselves, even though the statistics don't show that to be true at all. So it turns out that we just have a suicide problem among a group of people who the culture has intentionally misled and abused into loving themselves so much that they want to change every single thing about themselves. And when they find out it's not possible, then they commit suicide. Okay, that makes sense. Maybe it's a hate crime by someone who hates themselves, even though that is definitely not the explanation for any of this. It's just MAGA extremism. That's all it is. MAGA extremism. The non-binary person definitely, definitely does not hate themselves, which, by the way, is actually the right way to say that according to their rules. But since it's also complicated, let's just leave the hate crime thing out of it. And maybe we should just never, ever talk about this shooter again. And maybe there was some hint among media figures yesterday that this moment would be coming. And that's why they began to focus so much on Richard M. Fierro, the hero. So let's see how many narratives are collapsing in on themselves with this new reveal as the Colorado gay nightclub mass shooter is determined to be non-binary. Well, the MAGA extremist thing is gone off the table. 
the believe people about their gender identity thing is gone off the table. You heard them remove that from the table themselves. The hate crime thing, that's gone. Nonsense concept. Ben Collins' entire plea about the motivation of this shooter, well, that's absolutely gone. But it doesn't stop him from crying. Of course, he is still out there doubling down on the whole thing. And it's just another instance of the news doing such a bad job that it's like they're advertising to the public how bad they are at their job. And you heard her say there, well, this is nothing that we've heard about the shooter's background. And we we did look into his background. Well, no, they didn't. They found out that maybe they could blame it all on his grandfather. So they did it. But they didn't really look into the shooter's background because if they did look into the shooter's background, they would have also reported that it turns out his father is a gay porn star who goes by the name Dick Delaware. And yeah, it does sound like a name straight off the Hunter Biden laptop. It does sound like something Hunter Biden might call himself on his YouPorn channel or in any of the various live cam chat networks that he regularly accesses to pay Internet people to do what he wants them to do sexually. So this story fell apart last night completely. It no longer works. It's no longer going to have the effect the narrative was intended to create. So the story is likely over and we will hear about it very little in the future in any sincere or real way, but they will still keep bringing it up in the future when they need to push events like this. They'll say, oh, you remember that Colorado event and the child brains will have completely forgotten that the story was fake. They'll remember how they really felt about the story initially and they will continue to repeat this entire narrative as if it was ever true, even though it's not because they don't care and they're happy to do whatever they're told. Now, they can't get too distracted. They can't get too hung up on this story being fake because then it would create some real mental problems for the child brains. They might actually realize, oh, we've been lied to again. We've been made to look stupid once again. They told us a story. We went out and repeated it. The whole story has proven to be wrong. Why do they keep doing this to us? Some of them might actually wake up from this, and that would be absolutely lovely. But you see, you can't have that. You just can't have that. And so overnight to replace it came a new mass shooting story at a Walmart in Virginia a shift manager or something. Maybe I'm getting his title wrong. Don't care. Apparently went into the Walmart break room and shot up some fellow Walmart employees. Now that happened last night and throughout most of this morning, there was no indication about the identity of that shooter. How is that possible? They knew that it was a Walmart employee they knew it happened in Walmart. They've got cameras all over Walmart and surely there were witnesses. Why didn't they tell us the name of the shooter right away as they do in so many of these other events? Well, that's because the shooter, Andre Bing, is decidedly not white. And I know that in an ideal world, all of this would just stop. People would see it for what it is. It would all end. These incidents would stop and we wouldn't have to do the uncomfortable work of being skeptical about a tragedy because this isn't what tragedies should be about. We shouldn't have to pick apart the pieces of a tragedy to show that we're all being lied to and manipulated. But this is the world we live in and we cannot allow ourselves to become party to the manipulation by continuing the manipulation or accepting the narrative we know to be false when it is spoken in front of us. 
And I know in our conversations, we're not going to get the time and the space to be able to take these things apart unless the person is attentive as a listener and understanding and open-minded and actually wants to hear what we think. That's an ideal situation. It's probably not the situation you're going to confront when people bring this topic up over the next few days or a couple of weeks. And so how do we handle it? Well, as I've said before, a good tactic is you don't really believe that, do you? And then if they are going to say that they believe it, make them state what it is they believe. Make them state what it is they think happened and then make sure that they listen to you as you critique the things they're saying. But if you don't want to get that far, you actually don't have to. You don't have to approach each and every story as if it's real and then take it apart until you can prove that it's not real. Although it's good to have the opportunity to do that and it's good to be able to do that when given the opportunity. What you really need to focus on, though, is a more basic question to these people. How many of the facts of the official story have to be proven wrong before you begin to doubt the official story? And how many times does the official story need to be totally wrong? If not in every factual claim, as many are, but at least in the meaning, in the intent, in the way we're supposed to react, how many times do these stories need to be wrong before you will begin to doubt the people telling you the stories, before you will be skeptical about everything you hear from these people? The job of the media is to lie to you on purpose. They are trying to create a false reality because the real reality doesn't make them the winners. The empirical observable reality as it's actually happening does not help them. Because good people will disengage from the central narrative when they are able to see reality as it is. They'll understand that the central narrative is a lie, and that is when they wake up and they're able to begin moving past these things. And I know it may sound counterintuitive and like this approach might make people more angry. And the truth is that it might. That's okay. It's the truth. Sooner or later, everyone's got to understand it or go absolutely crazy. You're actually doing an act of kindness by telling people the truth and allowing them to react. People need to hear the truth. They need to reckon with the truth. They need to think about it. You're not doing people a favor by allowing them to continue on down this terrible path without you saying anything because you're worried that they might turn on you. If you're worried someone might turn on you, you should understand what that says about your relationship with that person. Now, let's switch subjects without a segue. This is from the Washington Post today. Vaccinated people now make up a majority of covid deaths. Wait, what? It's no longer a pandemic of the unvaccinated. For the first time, <laughs> totally the first time. A majority of Americans dying from the coronavirus received at least the primary series of the vaccine. 58% of coronavirus deaths in August were people who were vaccinated or boosted, according to an analysis conducted for The Health 202 by Cynthia Cox, vice president at the Kaiser Family Foundation. It's a continuation of a troubling trend that has emerged over the past year. Wait, what? This trend has been emerging for a year, but also this thing just happened for the first time. Okay. As vaccination rates have increased and new variants appeared, the share of deaths of people who were vaccinated has been steadily rising. In September 2021, vaccinated people made up just 23% of coronavirus fatalities. And you can definitely believe that because back then, whenever you got the vaccine, there was that two week grace period where if you died, it wasn't the vaccine and it wasn't coronavirus because during that two week grace period, you were unvaccinated. So it couldn't have been a vaccinated person who died, even though the person had been vaccinated. 
It's just a matter of definitions. You know, that's the science. In January and February this year, it was up to 42% per our colleagues, Finit Nirapil and Dan Keating. And I guess they must know. We can no longer say this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Cox told The Health 202. And of course, you could never actually say that because it's never actually been true. Not at all. But they kept saying it because, you know, how are you going to make people get the vaccine if you don't tell them it's safe and effective and that the virus is still very, very dangerous? Being unvaccinated is still a major risk factor for dying from COVID-19, even though more people die from COVID-19 after being vaccinated. Does that make sense? Well, no, of course not. In fact, that's probably not even possible by definition. If people who are vaccinated are dying the most from totally COVID-19, then being vaccinated is the risk factor, not being unvaccinated. What world do we live in? Oh, it's a totally false reality where authoritative sources will just tell you whatever they want you to believe with no regard whatsoever to fact or logic. But efficacy wanes over time. Oh, yeah. And an analysis out last week from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention highlights the need to get regular booster shots to keep one's risk of death from the coronavirus low, especially for the elderly. See, they'll still say it. They're not backing down at all. They're just admitting what is obviously true a year after it becomes obviously true. What you really need is your booster shot. That's what's going to keep you from dying from a disease that actually just can't kill you. Although, that said, the chances that the disease can kill you go up if you're vaccinated. And that's what they just told you. Whoops. Anthony Fauci, the nation's preeminent infectious disease expert used his last White House briefing yesterday ahead of his December retirement to urge Americans to get the recently authorized Omicron-specific boosters. Now, that's weird, isn't it? They know that more people are dying after being vaccinated, but Anthony Fauci, the preeminent infectious disease expert, goes out there and tells people to get more vaccines. Now, today, Anthony Fauci is being deposed in the censorship case being brought by Attorney General Eric Schmidt out of Missouri and Attorney General Jeff Landry out of Louisiana. But that's got nothing to do with his retirement. And it's got absolutely nothing to do with the brand new study they just got yesterday that shows Anthony Fauci was right the whole time. It's not like he would just go out and give a White House press conference to tell everybody about that study that shows Anthony Fauci was right the whole time the day before he goes and gets deposed. That's not how any of this has worked the entire time. It's, it's honestly a conspiracy theory to even think about that. The final message I give you from this podium is that please, for your own safety, for that of your family, get your updated COVID-19 shot as soon as you're eligible, he said. And it's funny because that sounds like the script of every Pfizer commercial that plays on television all day long until it seeps into the brains of all the child brains out there who love watching television. The Washington Post adds a tweet from White House Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre. She writes, Dr. Fauci is a pillar of the public health community. From HIV and AIDS to Ebola and COVID, he has kept the American public informed and prepared through multiple crises. It was an honor having him in the briefing room to remind Americans on the importance of getting vaccinated. And I don't know what the Washington Post is doing, to be honest. They just said that more people are dying after being vaccinated than the people who were not vaccinated. Yet somehow they are still advertising the vaccine from multiple perspectives, their own 
some doctors they, I guess, think are real doctors, Corinne Jean-Pierre and, of course, Anthony Fauci, because Corinne Jean-Pierre's tweet contains video of Anthony Fauci. So my message and my final message, maybe the final message I give you from this podium is that please, for your own safety, for that of your family, get your updated COVID-19 shot as soon as you're eligible to protect yourself, your family and your community. I urge you to visit vaccines.gov to find a location where you can easily get an updated vaccine and please do it as soon as possible. Thank you. Now, we know that what he said is not true at all. The vaccine doesn't protect you. You're more likely to die after having the vaccine. In fact, you are more likely to die from getting the vaccine and the vaccine consequences than you ever were of dying from COVID. Because the thing about COVID is the tests don't work. So they never actually knew who had COVID, but they did know who was in the hospital struggling. And they put those people on remdesivir and then put them on a ventilator, which means they're going to die. They also counted COVID deaths as any death with a positive COVID test within the last 28 and sometimes 60 days or just suspected likely COVID. COVID didn't have to contribute to the death at all. Car crash, murder, no problem. That's COVID. Those are the COVID deaths. COVID deaths are data malpractice and medical malpractice. There's also absolutely no way your COVID vaccine can protect your family or your community in any way because it doesn't stop transmission and it never has. And if it doesn't stop transmission or infection, then there's absolutely no way it could protect anybody but you. And it doesn't protect you either. Now, Anthony Fauci still sounds all confident and he's having a laugh. Oh, it's a good time. You got to understand I'm the nice guy, just like Joe Biden. We're just, we're just up here making some jokes. We're having a laugh. We're getting you to take the vaccine. Everybody needs to take the vaccine. You know, it's good for you. You know, it's good for you. But the whole press conference wasn't actually that way. There were questions Anthony Fauci wouldn't answer. And so journalists were getting frustrated and they kept asking their questions, and this is what happened. We have a process here. I'm not calling out on people who yell. And you're being, you're being, you're being disrespectful to your colleagues, and you're being disrespectful to our guests. I will not call on you if you yell. And also, you're taking time off the clock because Dr. Fauci has to leave in a couple of minutes. I th- I'm done. I'm not going. I'm not getting into a back and forth with you. Go ahead, Jeremy. I hear the question. I hear your question, but we're not doing this the way you want it. This is the disrespect. It is. I'm done. Simon, I'm done. I'm Simon, I'm done. I'm done with you right now. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. You're taking time away from your colleagues. Go ahead. Only 13% of adults. What does that sound like? Does that sound like a professional communications person working for a legitimate White House? Competently dealing with serious questions from the free press? Or does that sound like someone who is the face of an illegitimate dictatorial communist regime treating the media like children in a kindergarten class? She basically tried to put that reporter on timeout. She said that reporter was not only being disrespectful to her, but to the other students. The reporter was asking about the origins of COVID-19. And she said, we are not doing that right now. This is not the time for challenging questions. This is the time for questions that Anthony Fauci wants to answer so that he can look good the day before he gets deposed about his participation in an unconstitutional censorship regime in partnership with the legacy social media platforms in order to suppress 
the free speech of American citizens so that they would stop asking questions and talking about things that Anthony Fauci didn't like. But there's no way that Anthony Fauci did that. Anthony Fauci wasn't participating in a censorship regime. He just doesn't like hard questions and absolutely will not ever allow anyone to ask them whatever it takes. But he would never, ever participate in a censorship regime. And the article just keeps going on and on. Ratio shift. Cox, like many experts, says she's not surprised by the ratio shift. There are a few reasons. And of course, she's not surprised. This was bound to happen eventually because the vaccine doesn't work and, in fact, is dangerous. But as long as they expected it, then it sounds like everything is running perfectly according to the science. And if everything is running perfectly according to the science, then it couldn't possibly be true that anything is wrong with the vaccine because surely they'd tell us. So therefore, despite there being more deaths among the vaccinated, everything is going just fine. And therefore, the vaccine is very safe and very effective. You got it? They take you all the way down to the depths of despair. Oh no, what have I done? And then they bring you right back and say, hey, no, 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 no. All of this is expected. Everything is, everything is just fine. You don't worry about that. You just worry about finding a place on the website to go get your booster shot. Is it a CVS where there are no doctors? Sure. Yeah. I mean, CVS is the drug store. It's the place where you get drugs, which is like basically the same as a doctor's office. Uh, I mean, right. And, you know, not everybody's going to go to the CVS. I mean, a lot of people will go anywhere for the vaccines. They'll go to a, uh, a restaurant, maybe a grocery store, maybe a truck. In a parking lot, maybe that is where they'll get injected with the, the drug that's going to save them from everything. Ooh, it's very sciencey that truck in the parking lot. But I'm just kidding. There's definitely a lot of science behind it somewhere. I mean, sure, they dish out the science from a truck parked in a parking lot. But <laughs> I mean, what do you think is going to happen? Like, what do you think is going to happen? M more. More people who take the drug from the truck in the parking lot are going to die than the people who choose not to take the drug at all. <laughs> now, that could never that could never be the case. I mean, despite the headline in this very article. At this point in the pandemic, a large majority of Americans have received at least their primary series of coronavirus vaccines. So it makes sense that vaccinated people are making up a greater share of fatalities. That's not how percentages work. Individuals at greatest risk of dying from a coronavirus infection, such as the elderly, are also more likely to have received the shots. Oh, what? So almost everybody has taken them, but it's mostly the elderly and the people at the greatest risk. So they were already the most predisposed to dying and the shot has made it so that they actually did die, but they were already expected to die. So it wasn't the shot. And it might be worth remembering that the variants keep getting weaker and less likely to kill anyone. But still, there's this population at greatest risk of dying from the virus that isn't deadly. And they just so happen to be vaccinated. Also, vaccines lose potency against the virus over time and variants arise that are better able to resist the vaccines. So continued boosters are needed to continue to prevent illness and death, except the boosters don't prevent illness and death and the virus doesn't really cause illness and death. And if the vaccines wane in potency over time, while natural immunity just keeps on going. Why is it better to be vaccinated when the vaccinated are the people getting COVID and dying? And you might say, gosh, all of this sounds absolutely ridiculous. When did it get like this? 
When did these news articles become so utterly absurd? And the answer is, they've been like this the entire time. The BA5 Omicron subvariant became dominant in July and consistently accounted for the majority of new coronavirus infections across the United States until earlier this month. The highly transmissible strain fueled a surge of new infections, reinfections, and hospitalizations throughout the summer. Well, who gets reinfected? Because natural immunity protects you. So it's the so it's the vaccinated. Oh, and it's the people that take Paxlovid because Paxlovid leads to reinfections over and over and over again, like we've seen, including with the fake president, Joe Biden and the CDC director, Rochelle Walensky. What? It's still true that vaccinated groups are at lower risk of dying from a COVID-19 infection than the unvaccinated when the data is adjusted for age. (laughs) What? An analysis released by the CDC last week underscores the protection that additional booster shots offer against severe illness and death as immunity wanes. So even when the vaccines aren't working, they still work, even though they don't work and the disease can't really kill you. But as long as they keep releasing studies that point out these very strange and convoluted and complicated reasons why the vaccine still does work and they keep printing each and every one of these reasons, somehow the effect of all of these reasons together makes it seem like the whole thing is actually true when in fact the whole thing is actually false right down to the studies and you can see who paid for the studies. I think I might have mentioned this last week, but Sam Bankman freed the FTX guy, his brother, if I'm remembering correctly, sponsored the study that said ivermectin was dangerous. But sure, CDC, tell me more about the studies. Let's take a look at deaths in August when the highly contagious BA5 variant reached its peak. Ooh, do you guys remember that wave of death and destruction in August? I don't. Is that because it didn't actually happen? Yeah, of course, that's the reason. That month, unvaccinated people aged six months and older died at about six times the rate of those who had received their primary series of shots. Why are we including people that young? Is it to weight the vaccinated side of the equation since people that young don't die of COVID at all? They're adding in that rate to the overall rate? Six months and older, that doesn't sound like science. People with one booster dose were even better protected. Unvaccinated people over the age of five had about eight times the risk of dying from a coronavirus infection than those who received a booster shot. Man, it's a shame that they don't link to these studies in one of these great newspapers. The Washington Post, it says, Right beneath their name at the top of the screen, democracy dies in darkness. Hey, Washington Post, how about a link? Among individuals who are eligible to receive additional booster shots, the gap is even more striking. Unvaccinated people 50 and up had 12 times the risk of dying from COVID-19 than adults the same age with two or more booster doses. Sure. And then the Washington Post turns to Very astute conservative David French of The Dispatch. By the way, The Dispatch was one of the outlets that Facebook paid to fact check everybody. That's how you know you can really trust David French. One of the saddest phenomena of the online right is the absolute fury at those of us who supported COVID vaccines and continue to support COVID vaccines. The death toll of vaccine refusal is simply staggering and heartbreaking. Here's January 1st, 2021 until April 30th, 2022. And they have a mathematical model using Microsoft AI for health from the Brown School of Public Health that shows there were 318,981 vaccine preventable deaths. And if you believe that, then sure, it's very sad. There's just absolutely no reason to believe that. It's utterly ridiculous. There's no science there whatsoever. 
They just made up a mathematical model and came to a conclusion they like. David French believes that's evidence. And the article just goes on and on and on. But there's one last piece that we have to hit. The six-week sprint. Americans' uptake of the latest booster shots continues to be slow. Around 35 million people have received the updated boosters that became available to people 12 and over in September and to children as young as five last month. That's a little over 10% of the U.S. population, amid concern that cooler weather will bring a surge of COVID cases as people move indoors and respiratory infections spread. Oh, the horror! Yesterday, the White House announced a six-week push ahead of the holidays aimed at increasing booster uptake among seniors, people who are racial minorities, and those who live in rural areas, all of which have disproportionately suffered severe disease and death during the coronavirus pandemic. Our colleagues, Francis Stead Sellers and Ariana Yunjung Cha write, and we might as well just pause with that for a second and think back to the fact that COVID-19 was created and manipulated in a lab. And it primarily affected certain groups of people. Those are the groups of people that biology has traditionally thought were not productive and healthy members of the herd. So the virus in the lab specifically attacked old people and fat people and black people. And when the vaccine came out, the vaccine that we now know to be totally ineffective and actually quite dangerous for the vast majority of people. Who did they suggest should get the vaccine first? Well, it's the people who were at the greatest risk, old people, fat people, black people. But they were at the greatest risk because the virus was manipulated in the lab. And one might wonder if they were the ones specifically targeted with the virus since they were specifically targeted with the rollout of the vaccine that we now understand to be not safe, not effective, and quite destructive. Senior officials said the Biden administration would direct some of its remaining resources to fight the pandemic into a $475 million campaign to support community health centers and organizations working to get the elderly and people with disabilities boosted. And I wonder how much of that is for public communications. The administration's push coincided with the release of a CDC study offering the first evidence that the bivalent boosters are better at preventing symptomatic infection against newly circulating variants than earlier doses. So the CDC has now released the first evidence that the new vaccine works and is better than the old vaccine. And it's just like what they said about the old vaccine when it was released. And all of that later proved to be false. But now, you see, now it's true. And it's always been true. Sure, the vaccine stopped working. And it didn't work really at all. But now the new vaccine works even better. And there's absolutely no way that down the line we'll find out that this also isn't true. And at the end of the day, what are you going to do? Believe all those conspiracy theorists who have been right about virtually everything for the last however many years? <laughs> or are you going to believe the science in the Washington Post and Ben Collins again? <laughs> what are you, some kind of conspiracy theorist? Now do what they say, or Corrine Jean-Pierre is going to put you on time out. I am probably going to take tomorrow off. I hope you all have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is one of my favorite holidays. I think the meaning of the day is very pure, quite lovely. I hope you all get to spend it with some family or some friends and have some great food and some warm feelings. And I may actually take the day off on Friday as well. I'm hoping that I will have an interview that goes out tomorrow night on Badlands that I think you all will really like, but I will be back with this show either on Friday or on Monday at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic and Joe Biden will never be president. 
In my mind, that's the end game. If you're listening to this episode for free, you can support me and support the show and the work I do by signing up for a paid subscription at imyourmoderator.substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month comes out to under a quarter per episode and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. The merch store is www.cancelcouture.com and you can find everything else by heading to Linktree, linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. And I'll see you soon out on the range. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm Your Moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'mYourModerator.substack.com. The merch site is CancelCouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!